It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, the most impactful Vikings rookies on offense, defense, and special teams, plus the biggest concerns for the team now that the draft dust has settled heading into the summer. It's all coming up next on a special draft edition of the Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition of the Football Party and the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown, everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Sam, first things first, if you haven't already, go sign up for the weekly NFL Draft newsletter up on the Locked On Podcast homepage. Punch in your email, get all the latest news notes surrounding the NFL Draft. Never too late. I know what you're thinking, Sam. Well, the draft just ended. Never too late. I'm publishing this week's edition tomorrow afternoon. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday morning, go sign up. You can catch this week's edition up on LockdownPodcast.com slash newsletters. Go check it out and sign up for free today. Also, don't forget, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Okay, Sam, let's dive into it because the dust is settled now on this draft class. And this is where I think you throw the consensus board rankings away. Forget about the mock drafts. All those things slowly dissipate. The draft grades, did they get an A? Did they get an F? During the draft itself, I get it. Every fan goes, you know, they go a little bonkers when their teams reach on a guy or they jump for joy when they draft a value guy that wasn't supposed to be there. And that's what makes the draft so fun. But Sam, it it's over. Like we got who we got. It is what it is. As they say, these are the guys, Quasi, KOC, Brian Flores, Wes Phillips, whole scouting staff. They all honed in on, they got in a room. They said, these are the players that are going to fit our specific schemes the most. So as fans, I guess we have really no choice, but to just trust they know a little bit better than we do. Once we look back two, three years, hopefully we'll be able to say, okay, I, I see the vision now. I, I I see what they were doing, the roster they were trying to build for Kevin O'Connell specifically, not based off our consensus big boards or what have you. And I think the dream of every fan of any team is you look back and you say, all right, now that we got two, three, four draft classes to stack on top of one another, now I see the bigger vision, the type of players they were targeting. Because remember, that was a huge talking point, Sam, leading up to the draft. You heard Quasey talk so much about last year's class, the fact he had so many picks, 10 picks he ended up with. And really, he's relying on so many of those guys who didn't really virtually play 
any time last year. Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, Caleb Evans, Brian Osamoa, Ty Chandler, tons of them. And he's expecting those guys to play a pivotal role this year as well. So that's why I don't think Quasey, just quick side note, was really set on stockpiling so many extra picks this time around as opposed to what we saw last draft. This year was a little bit more about just go get your guys. Hey, we got four or five spots we need to fill. Let's go target our guys and go get them. So, Sam, let's run through this one last time. Just quick Mm -hmm. 60-second snapshot, Vikings class, before we get into who we think is going to be the most impactful guys on each side of the ball. Jordan Addison said it last week. I don't think he's ever going to be a true alpha number one type of receiver, but I think... Of all the wideouts that went in the entire draft, 33 of them, he's not only landed in the best situation, but I think he's going to have the most instant success as a rookie of the entire wide receiver class. Because think about it. He gets to play across the best wide receiver in the game. So he's almost guaranteed one-on-one coverage almost every play. He gets to walk into a quarterback room where you've got a savvy vet in Kirk Cousins. He's in his prime right now. He knows how to read NFL defenses inside and out. He knows the playbook, and he knows how to get his playmakers the ball too, Sam, where you look at a guy like Josh Downs, and I bring him up because we both were enthralled with him. We both loved him and talked about him a lot. Not only is he buried behind Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce and some other guys, but now you've got a rookie quarterback throwing you the ball who loves to run, by the way. So his chances of catching 100 balls, it's almost slim to none. So just for the fantasy football players out there, I think Addison is going to ball out in year one, which more times than not for rookie wide receivers, it, it just isn't the case. That's the Vikings' identity, though, now, Sam, right? Like, they're all in on offense. They're officially a all right, if the defense gives up 50 points this week, let's just hope we can score 51 kind of team, right? At least in 2023. And Addison, I think, helps them do that. He's going to make J.J. better. He's going to let Osborne slide back inside to his more natural wide receiver three role. And with Hawkinson in the middle, you got two of the best tackles in football. I think this offense, not like a blazing hot take, should be in the top 10 in both points and yards when it's all said and done, the majority of the draft, right? The majority of everything else, it's basically, let's just hope Brian Flores knows what he's doing. He got his right guys and let's just let him do his thing. Basically Blackman, Jay Ward, Jay Roy, the D tackle, Ivan Pace Jr. And UDFA. You just hope Flores can bring all these guys up to speed quickly so they can make an early impact. And it doesn't take 10, 11, 12 weeks to see some signs of improvement. And that includes last year's class too. all those guys that I mentioned. I think Jaron Hall and Dwayne McBride, super fun day three picks. You stash away. Hopefully you find a diamond in a rough with one of those guys a few years down the road. But Sam, when you look at this draft class now stacked up with the last year's class, remember, mm-hmm. and where they all fit on this roster as it stands, am I nuts to think they not only should be in the top 10 in most offensive categories, but they almost have to be if they want to be successful, if they want a chance to win more games than not? I guess, what's your quick snapshot of the group of rookies, just one last time, just when it comes to this team's identity, I guess, the makeup of who the 2023 Vikings are going to be? Yeah, as I reflect upon the draft, I do believe the Vikings made the right move going for wide receiver in the first round versus corner. A lot of you people were big on that. Take you wanted to Joey double Porter down. Jr. Yeah, I, I like that approach, and I like it even more when I look at the third round and I say, okay, which receivers would have been available if you had waited, and which cornerbacks were available? Now, this leads me to the Blackman pick, which I still disagree with. I still think that there were better options. I don't love his profile. 
Um, and I think that the instant there, there's two grades, there's the instant gratification grade in the draft. Like, okay, how did our rookies do this year? Um, and then there's the long-term view where you say, all right, three years from now, that 2023 draft turned out to be pretty good. I think the instant gratification grade on this draft will come down to Blackman because how do you often view these drafts? Did you nail your early round picks? The first two days of picks last year, Vikings kind of failed on the instant gratification grade because all the guys got hurt. And then Ed Ingram, who did play, wasn't very good. So seen Booth, you got nothing from. Ingram was a liability. Asamoah, pretty good. But those those were your four first two-day picks. This year, you've got Addison. Addison's probably going to make that impact in year one right away. O'Connell thinks so. He thinks he's a day-one starter. I believe that. I think that he can be a wide receiver three out of the gate and then maybe elevate to wide receiver two. I think that it comes down to Blackman. If you get something out of Blackman and he's better than a lot of people expect, this could end up looking like a very quality 2023 draft right away. Um, Now, if Blackman falters and your cornerback group is in shambles and you're getting passed up and down the field on again, like last year, and your passing defense is ranked 30th, then it's not going to look like a very good instant gratification grade on this draft. And then you have to wait and see whether the Wards and the Roys and the McBrides develop over the years and kind of change the way you view it. But offensively speaking, to get a wide receiver in the first round is big because it replaces Thielen. You were sixth in passing yards last year, Luke. Like the passing game was not the problem with this offense. You were eighth in points. And I see Kevin O'Connell reflecting on that and saying, all right, we were a top 25% offense. We were eighth in the NFL. How can we make that even better? And I've seen him make little tweaks. He wants to run the ball better. They were 27th in uh, in rushing yards last year. You make that a little better, a little more efficient, keep the passing game strong, which they've done with Addison, you're talking about a top five offense. Um, so I think that just a couple iterations here, making the run game more efficient, keeping the passing game kind of where it was, I do see a top five offense in their future. And I'm very optimistic that we'll walk away from this year saying Jordan Addison was a hit with that pick. Offense, top 10 in both yards and points last year already. Passing game specifically, top three in pass attempts. They were already good, to your point. They were already good, and they shouldn't skip a beat swapping out Adam Thielen with Jordan Addison. In fact, when you look at Thielen's inefficiency on the routes that he actually ran last year, I tend to think Addison's actually going to improve, if nothing else, the deep shots and big plays quite drastically and make this an even more explosive offense. It was it was an efficient offense, but I think it's going to be even more explosive, at least in the passing game when it's all said and done, swapping out Thielen for Addison. It just really comes back to, Sam, can the defense just be average? That's all we're asking. <laughs> be flow. I don't need you to be great. I don't need Hall of Fame. I just need you to be average, solid at best. Can you just not rank near the bottom in like you know every category man (laughs) bottom three and multiple passing categories 26th in the league in first downs allowed and to be honest I thought that was a mistake when I saw it if you would have told me they were dead last in the league defensively in first downs allowed I wouldn't have batted an eye that's just sitting down and watching the game week after week that's what it felt like didn't and that was a huge problem specifically Sam because the defense being out on the field too much, 
getting beat on third downs, because even though the run defense was bottom half of the league, they were more times than not, they would get them the defense that is in third and five, third and six, third and seven, manageable, right? I mean, you hope maybe 50% of the time, right? Coin flip, you're, you're getting off the field. You force a punt on fourth down. And the pass defense, especially in the second half of the season, when Zadarius lost that kind of juice when he got banged up and hobbled a little bit and the pass rush went away, they just couldn't get off the field. And the other thing, too, as great as the offense was at scoring points, they were almost, and this is going to sound ridiculous and absurd, but they were almost too quick, too fast <laughs> when they did. 29th in the league in average time of possession per drive. Two minutes and 34 seconds. That's 29th in the league. So it was basically, it was either a three and out yeah. or a quick four or five play scoring drive and then bam. That's great, but your defense is back on the field again. And with so many aging vets, too, playing pivotal roles, Kendricks, Hicks, Pat P, Harry, Zadarius, list goes on and on, that really grinded those guys down over the length of an entire season. And you saw that uh, on top of many other variables and X factors like Ed Donatel just not being a very good defensive coordinator. But in a nutshell, though, I think that specifically, obviously we want a great defense, but if they can just stay average and the offense, as you mentioned, KOC can just start to fine-tune those few things. They're already really good. Can they be elite in most passing categories or offensive categories? Mm -hmm. That, I think, is the secret sauce, the secret recipe for success for the Vikings in 2023. Um, yeah. I want to pick one rookie from each side of the ball who we both think is just going to be the most impactful outside of the first round. So we got to take Jordan Addison out of the equation. But real quick, first, I got to remind you, don't forget – we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the MLB. Twins, Sam, starting a three-game series with the Padres tonight. Louis Varlin on the mound. Twins minus 115 to win that outright. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win download the easy to use FanDuel app get your winnings instantly guys they got money lines parlays prop bets FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire MLB season FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of locked on all right Sam let's take Jordan Addison out of the equation just for the next 15 minutes here because that's a little too okay, easy. Okay, okay. I, I, I just want to I want to go back and forth with you. Name one rookie we both think will have the greatest impact on offense, defense and special teams. Let's start with the defense first. Here's the number one thing I'm looking for with all these guys. Who's got the clearest path to playing time first and foremost? Which rookie could see the field earlier than some of the other guys, just given the way the depth chart just sits today? And when I look at the secondary, I know Blackman used a third-round pick on a guy. He's certainly going to be in the mix, but I think it's clear for me anyways, Byron Murphy's your number one, and then Booth and Evans are going to get every opportunity to start these first five, six, seven, eight games. Obviously, unless, you know, one of them gets banged up or hurt, which, I mean, hey, let's call spade a spade. Given their track records, people aren't betting against it, but not something that we're ever going to assume, obviously, knock on wood. I think Blackman is kind of on the outside looking in, at least early on, OTAs, training camp, preseason, going into that first quarter, even first half of the regular season, at least in the base 
and the nickel defenses. Dime defenses that Flores likes to deploy, maybe a different story. But that's why I think Jaquelin Roy, the nose tackle from LSU, is going to have the greatest impact in year one on the defensive side of the ball. Because, first of all, you lose your number one DT in the offseason in Dalvin Tomlinson. And let's face it, guys like Jonathan Bullard, James Lynch, Ross Blacklock, not exactly talking about any Pro Bowl players in this group. Solid, good rotational pieces. But really, at the end of the day, you've got Harrison Phillips. He's your anchor. you got Tonga, who's great at what he does, but probably only a first down, maybe second down type of run stopper. And then, Sam, I think it's anyone's guess. Dean Lowry, Asezi, even guys like Kenny Willekes. Don't forget about him. Who knows? But you need not just three good ones at the top just to start out every game, but everyone knows you need a deep rotation throughout each game and throughout each week, throughout the season. Roy from LSU only started one year, so a little inexperienced, but he's a tank. Six foot three, 305, strong, stout, powerful, taking on blocks. And why I think he sees the field is because his biggest downsides were all coachable coming out of college. Plays too upright, not great knee bend, never knew what to really do with his hands or have a pass rushing plan. Those are all correctable and fixable with proper coaching. That's a great thing because all the physical tools are there. I think, end of the day, Vikes were just desperate to add more beef up front. And I think Roy's going to be that dude. He's an absolute anchor versus the run. He's got some serious pass rushing promise that, again, I think it just needs to be developed. It's all there, though. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good nose tackle, a good defensive tackle in the middle. I just think it makes the entire defense shine around them, but also helps you get into these third and long situations for the Vikings defensive sake. I, I hope Roy ends up panning out. Who's your defensive rookie impact player in 2023? What do you think? Yeah, well, I have to be a little bit two-faced here because I've already stated that I'm not all in on Blackman. However, That's as right. you alluded to, we're talking about ease of access. Who has a path? And behind Byron Murphy, um, Evans and Booth probably get precedent to get those other starting roles. But I don't think they've got a lock on it. I mean, they've they've closed the door maybe, but the door is unlocked. Like, Blackman could come in and open it right up and he could pass them in that hierarchy because I think maybe we're overstating how, how good Evans was last year. I dug into this a little bit because I think a lot of people are, are have spun the narrative that ah, Evans was great and then the concussions ended his season. But if you look at his numbers, I mean, first of all, he only played 160 snaps. Um, PFF passing defense grade was not really good at all. In fact, Andrew Boots was actually better and he only played about 50 more snaps than Booth did. So I, I think he and Booth are really coming in. They're kind of coming in like rookies plus. Like they're, they're, they're second-year rookies. Um, very little experience, injury issues. Blackman is absolutely going to be in that mix to try and start, I think. I think that he will get his opportunities in OTA's minicamp to at least take snaps with the first-team defense and see if he can handle it. I think it would be malpractice if, as coaches, you didn't at least see what you have in the guy. And if 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 he can't do it, then that's fine. But I could very well see him, because of injury, because of poor performance, finding his way into a starting role. So whether the impact, Luke, is going to be good or bad, I think he will have an impact this year. I have a hard time believing that he won't at some point find his way onto the field and have to play big reps for this team just because it is a depleted cornerback group. Maybe we'll get to this a little later in the show. 
I still think they could add a vet. I think that would be pretty important because I just have so little belief in a bunch of second year and first year corners figuring out a way to uh, to put together a strong pass defense. It's a it's a tall task. So if Blackman turns out to be something, I think he could play a lot this year. Did anybody sign Marcus Peters from the Ravens? Did he resign with the Ravens? Is he just sitting out there? Not not I, saying that the Vikings even have money to go throw at Marcus Peters on a two year right. deal or anything like that. But he was always my draft crush going back to 2015. I was hoping they would draft him over Trey Wayne's. Wayne's obviously solid career under Mike Zimmer, but just interesting seeing him out there. And and you mentioned, hey, I think they should go grab another vet. Not saying that is Marcus Peters, but just made me think about him. I'm very interested and intrigued to see where he lands, and I'm interested and intrigued to see if the Vikes do bring somebody in who it is who does Brian got a name Flores for kind you. of handpick yeah go ahead who do you got I'm, I'm curious um stop me if there's some kind of red flag that I'm missing here mm-hmm. and I guess I already know what the red flag is injury but mm-hmm. Shaq Griffin uh, oh, sure. missed most of last year I believe it was with a back um you know get nervous around back injuries but he was a really good corner I mean he's got over 5,000 snaps in his NFL career he's only 27 438 speed um 4 years with Seattle 2 years with Jacksonville probably a pretty low price tag coming off an injury where he missed 11 games that that's that was i think the highest ranking uh PFF corner that's still available on the market Shaq Griffin uh is he's not super old yet Luke he's only 27 that's the kind of guy that I'd want to bring in no, that's a good call out. And when I think about Brian Flores' secondary specifically, here's the one thing that we know for sure. At least this is the plan starting out in OTA's training camp preseason. Byron Murphy, at least this is what they told us. This is what Brian Flores said. These are the words that came out of his mouth at the combine when he was in an interview. Byron Murphy is sliding in the inside when they get in the nickel. I assume that means that he'll also be on the inside, in the slot, in the dime package as well. And why I bring that up is because, again, you need to expect a lot of dime defense from Brian Flores. He ran a ton of it his last year when he was coaching in Miami. And I fully expect, just given the pool of players and talent that they have brought in while Brian Flores has been here, that Flores wants to deploy that dime defense as well. So if Byron's on the inside, and then you got Andrew Booth and a Caleb Evans somewhere in the mix – that does leave another outside spot, I would think, for your guy, Makai Blackman from USC. But yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. There's so many pieces of this puzzle. We just don't know how Brian Flores is going to put them all together. But we know he's got the pieces to put some sort of puzzle together. A lot of guys with versatility. I'm not saying Blackman has to be a boundary corner, but he played almost 98% of his snaps last year on the outside. His junior year, he did play a lot more in the slot, but last year in 2022, the guy was strictly an outside boundary corner guy. So um, we'll see how they put it all together. Again, Jay Ward from LSU does a little bit of everything. Jack of all trades. You want a safety, you want a nickel, you want a, a outside corner. He can do that too. So interested to see how Flores puts all these together. All right, offensively, you take Jordan Addison out of the mix. You got two choices. Flip a coin. (laughs) Jaron Hall, BYU, fifth round. Dwayne McBride, running back, UAB. I've already said on the show, McBride was the steal of the draft for the Vikings. He goes in round three or four. I'm not sure anyone bats an eye, honestly. He's that impressive as just a natural runner with the ball. Consensus big board, Arif Hassan's consensus big board. I think he was number 102, or at least in that range. He ends up going with the what? 222nd pick 222 so Mm -hmm. extremely great value 
and why you love them, the contact balance and vision, maybe the two most important traits for an elite running back, he's got them in spades. He's off the charts. And that's why I think he's not going to be just a huge threat to just spell Alexander Madison here and there when he's tired, when he needs a breather. I think he's got a shot to take over for him altogether by midseason. Wow. Because he's going to offer more consistent yardage on first and second down, Sam. He may not be the the receiving back or the pass blocking back. We don't know that he can't do it. We just don't know. We haven't seen it yet. But first and second down, that's what got the offense, we just talked about it, into so much trouble so many times last year in that quick drive time. A lot of three and outs, remember? Because Dalvin will get swallowed up on first or second down. And all of a sudden, it's third and 13, and Cousins has no shot. You know, everybody knows we're passing. So I I think KOC is going to love having someone who can get something out of nothing, and that's Dwayne McBride to a T. He destroyed lower-level competition, but when you watch when they played great defenses like LSU and Georgia, I think it was, look at the stat sheet, look at the box score. All right, 12 carries, 51 yards, nothing special. But if you watch the runs – I mean, his offensive line is just getting swallowed and destroyed. There's guys in the backfield before he even touches the ball. He was turning three-yard losses into two-yard gains. And I think that's something as special as Dalvin Cook is, was never great at, at least not last year. And he can help this offense, McBride, that is, get into four more third and manageable situations for Kirk Cousins and the offensive line, too, especially. Um, are you with me or are you rolling with the quarterback from BYU, <laughs> Jaron Hall? What do you think? Well, I'm going to go off the map. I'm going to oh, do you're a going UDFA, UDFA. But I, I will say on yesterday's Minnesota football party with Arif and, and Luke Braun, we kind of broke down how we would allot the running back snaps. Go back and listen to that toward oh, the end of yesterday's show. And we all agreed that we think McBride could start out as, as your running back three behind Chandler and Madison and, and maybe work his way up. And we think it'd be wonderful if he – got 20% of the snaps to start because mm-hmm. he does offer that that very key skill, being able to break tackles as long as he can pass block. That's going to be my thing on McBride until I see him pass block. Um, you know, we got to know if we can trust him. But I'm going to go with someone in the UDFA ranks that we both love, Malik Knowles, who we I, th- I think that's our UDFA crush, right, Luke? I mean, we absolutely love this guy's profile, 6'2", big-bodied, Kind of fell because he didn't run a forty, and maybe some people were concerned about some some pre draft injury stuff. But productive. yeah, he didn't work out. He never worked out, so he just yeah. kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Not to say he was going to be a, a top one hundred pick, but he definitely should have got drafted from everything that I've seen for sure. Continue. Yeah, um, I liked your Cordero Light comparison because um, he's not quite the brute force that Cordero Patterson was, but it's quick, it's tall, lengthy, special teams guy. And I think that there's an opportunity for wide receiver four. Now, I don't know how many snaps wide receiver four will see in this offense because you need Jefferson on the field. Addison and Osborne are going to eat up a lot of snaps too. But if you're running four wide receiver sets, which you probably will now and then, is Rager holding that spot down? Is Naylor holding that spot down? Is Brandon Powell holding that spot down for sure? No, no. I think that Knowles could play his way into that by midseason. So I think that, you know, just as McBride could kind of work his way up the running back rotation and, and get some key snaps, I think that Knowles could be used now and again. Not not the whole game, but I think that as a depth piece, uh, he may be on this roster and he may find his way. And if someone gets hurt too, 
uh, he could be the first guy that gets elevated. So I think that Knowles is going to be my impact offensive player. Uh, you know I love it. You listened last week. I went nuts for this guy, UDFA, Kansas State, running back, turned wide out. You can see it. You can just see shades of Cordero Patterson when you watch his running style in the open field. Three kickoff touchdowns on his resume, Sam, plus a 75-yard rushing touchdown. I love him. I'm going to be so disappointed if he doesn't make the 53, which is one thing, but then gets sniped from the practice squad, mm. I'm telling you right now, I don't leave me alone uh, using my sick days. Uh, I'm just not going to be doing good, sleeping in a lot. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. But as far as a 2023 impact, I think with Kenne just kind of manning the shit back there in the end zone on kickoffs, I don't think he gets a huge crack right away at returning kicks. I want to know, like you said, can he return punts? Do we know that? Like Jalen Rager... Didn't really wow us. I know they brought in Brandon Powell as well, but this dude's explosive with the ball in his hands. That's all I'm saying. And he's got a great track record on special teams, specifically returning these uh, kicks and punts. So I'm going with Ivan Pace Jr. on special teams, by the way. Mm -hmm. Everyone's favorite UDFA jam, not just for the Vikings, but maybe of all 32 teams. Absolute pit bull, rattlesnake, whatever you want to call him. Yes, he's a little bit shorter. Shorter size, only 5'11", maybe. Probably like 5'10 and with a half. With cleats on. Yeah, with the cleats on, that's right. But 232 at 5'11", that's a stout dude. And he packs a mean punch. And the stats in production, just look them up. I mean, they speak for themselves. The dude just knows how to find the ball carrier, wrap up, and tackle. Period. I tweeted out, what was it, last week? Led the Mac in tackles in 21. Led the AAC in tackles and tackles for loss last year. This is probably the craziest stat. Led all off-ball linebackers with 55 pressures, which I think a normal number there is probably high 20s, low 30s. 55 pressures for an off-ball linebacker is out of this world. Led the nation in run stops per PFF, elite run stop and blitzing grades per PFF. Was the Senior Bowl linebacker practice player of the week. He's not only going to be a special teams demon in year one, but I almost put him down as my defensive player because I think he too, he has a clear path to seeing the field this year with such a weak depth at linebacker with you got an aging Jordan Hicks, you got guys like Troy Dye and Ken A behind him. I think Pace ends up being the second best player from this draft class when we look back in five years. I think we only get a small wow. taste of him, though, in year one. Special teams maybe gets a little bit of playing time here and there. Um, he's your starting linebacker, though, in 2024. I mean, you can vault me on that. I, I just I think he's that good, and I just see, again, a clear path of moving forward to see the field. And think about this. We always assume when we talk linebackers, we – Always just think about the nickel. That's what I do right away. Two linebackers on the field, right? They're going to play some base defense once in a while, too, obviously. So I think Ivan Pace, even knowing that, has a great chance to line up next to Brian Osamoa. Will they run the base defense a ton? No, probably not. But uh, when they do, I think Ivan Pace, he's got a real shot. Special teams impact, rookie Sam. Who do you got? Yeah, how about Jay Ward? Um, the Ooh, the like write-ups that. on Ward all indicate that he plays a really aggressive brand. Mm -hmm. It's gotten him in trouble at times because sometimes he plays a little too recklessly and he has had some injuries, but that's the kind of mentality you want on special teams is someone who's going to throw their body in there, hopefully not get hurt, but that's a Matt Daniels guy. Matt Daniels is going to love someone like Jay Ward, who I don't know if there's room for him in the secondary this year. Maybe there is. Um, it's not exactly a veteran group, but I think that if Ward comes in and he's, I'm looking at his special teams at LSU, he's got 
experience in kick coverage, experience in punt return, experience on field goal block. He's got 259 special team snaps in his career. I think that with his kind of wrap him up tackling, hard-hitting nature, I think that he'll be one of those guys that he's obviously going to make the team because he's a fourth-round pick. And if they want to find a spot for him, special teams, perfect way to use him. Love it. Speaking of pace and the UDFAs, we spotlighted a few guys last week. I don't know if you remember saying we talked about Malik Knowles a little bit, Andre Carter, Ivan Pace a ton. I just want to keep running through these guys. We're going to see and we're going to hear a lot from and OTAs, rookie minicamp, training camp, up until at least August. So let's see just a, a quick 30-second snapshot, if you will. One guy this week will kind of continue ripping through all these UDFAs and these new Minnesota Vikings. I'll go first. Okay. Illinois, nose tackle, Calvin Avery, Sam. This dude is a monster. Oh my God. Six foot one, 345 pounds, 31 bench reps, 31 inch vert, which is honestly with all those stats I just flung out, probably the most impressive to be that big and have a 31 inch vert. So he's got the power and he's got the lower leg explosion that you love to see a four star recruit coming out of high school. So Pretty popular name. Ninth-ranked defensive tackle in the country, according to Rivals.com. Gets to Illinois, plays in all 12 games as a true freshman, never redshirted, blocked two kicks in back-to-back -back years. Pretty much a backup rotational guy, though, until last season, his senior year. 24 tackles, two for a loss, one batted pass, one forced fumble. Not gaudy stats, I'll admit. I get it. But name one nose tackle, Sam, with big gaudy stats i mean they're just there isn't none because those guys sole job is just chew up the blockers help make room for everyone else around you to make plays and that's what calvin avery did you know i'm a sucker i already mentioned it once for a good nose tackle and every great three four defense has usually had one great nose tackle i've always think about the patriots defense for all those years with vince wilfork kind of the engine in the middle of that defense avery Unbelievable size, 345, great strength, great power, great arm length to become a two-down defensive nose tackle for the Vikings. Under Brian Flores, really excited about him as a possible replacement for Tonga down the road and even maybe an upgrade from Tonga as well at that nose tackle position two, three years down the road. Am I nuts? What do you think? And then who's your UDFA player as well? Yeah, I don't think you're nuts. I it's a really fun guy to profile because yeah. he is just so he's Will Forkian in his yes. size. Yes. Um and I think he's put on some of that weight to really shape himself like a nose tackle because a lot of the the bios on him have him about 325, which is still big, and he's put on weight from that point. Now his his testing what was really poor, like the agility, the speed, but again, when you're adding on that weight and you are that size, you're not expected to be fast. Uh, he is strong. He is explosive. A 31-inch vertical at that weight? Are you kidding me? Um, so that's an intriguing, again, probably a guy that is stashable on your practice squad for a year. Um, and you might be able to, to develop him. I, don't, I, I would guess not a rostered guy but a very intriguing development prospect. That's my, my projection on Avery. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about Thayer Thomas. Now, that's the lesser heralded wide receiver between him and Knowles. We had him on the Ron Johnson show last week. Go back and watch that, the Ron Johnson show, Locked on Sports Minnesota. Thayer Thomas spent five years at NC State. 
His wide receivers coach, Joker Phillips, was also Ron Johnson's wide receivers coach at Minnesota, small world. Um, so, so that's how they connected. Super mature. I mean, five years at, at North Carolina State. Uh, he kind of sounds like Harrison Smith, actually, when he talks. It's kind of like a kind of eerie. They're both very just calm guys. But get this, true freshman Thayer Thomas back in 2018. Actually, no, sorry. Redshirted in 2017. So then redshirt freshman year, 2018, he goes out and catches 34 balls and he made 215 catches in his NC State career. So he made an immediate impact and was steady the entire career. Um, I think the floor is very high. Ceiling might be a little low, but I think the floor is very high, fundamentally speaking. Um, I also like that in his career, 34 contested catches, 55% contested catch rate. So he's tough. At the catch point, six feet tall, about 200 pounds. It's a pretty good wide receiver's body. Ran a 4.5, which is you know average speed. So we'll, we'll see how they want to use him. But a ton of reps under his belt. Very productive at NC State. Um, again, could be a special teams candidate as well. I'd probably project him as another practice squad you know, stash. But we'll see what he does. Maybe, he, maybe we're talking about the wrong receiver. Thayer Thomas could be a sneaky prospect. No, you're absolutely right. Caught the interview last week on the Ron Johnson Show. Outstanding 20, 25 minutes with him. Bright young kid. Really excited to see him in camp. The only thing that worries me, it's a muddied wide receiver group. Once you get past that top three, isn't it? Naylor, Rager, Powell, Tristan Jackson, Blake Prohl, Thomas now. We both love Malik Knowles. They drafted another UDFA, Cephas Johnson the third, I think it was. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see not only, A, who survives the cuts, but B, how many wide receivers they decide to keep and then who ends up landing on the practice squad as well. But very intrigued about Thayer Thomas for sure. Kind of reminds you of maybe what we hope Blake Prohl would turn into or Chad Beebe as well. Savvy route runner, polished hands. And I think he could be a great wide receiver four or five when you want to spread defenses out a little bit two, three years down the road. But what I wanted to segue that into, Sam, as we wrap up, let's close out with this. Another draft class added to the Vikings roster. Sam, what's the one biggest remaining need heading into the summer that worries you the most? This is the roster, you know, the meat and potatoes, the nuts and bolts. This is what we're rolling with in 2023. Not going to be a lot of drastic changes. What's the biggest remaining need for you? What worries you the most? Mm -hmm. Corner. Certainly corner. You would like to have two veterans in that group, and they have one. I'm I, I'm not giving credit to Jawan Williams. I probably should. He just doesn't have. The, he's got a journeyman resume, but he does not have a like veteran starters resume. So I'm kind of lumping him in. Like I think he's a bubble guy. Um, it's just it's hard to buy in. It's hard to buy in when you've got major question marks at two out of the three spots. If you could say if it was Byron Murphy and Patrick Peterson, and then question marks, I think you're more okay with that. But if you're asking two guys to emerge and win competitions and then be really good at the NFL level, that's a bigger ask. So I'm having 2020 deja vu a little bit with Holton Hill and Cam Dantzler and Jeff Gladney out there struggling. That I worry about that. That's my problem. You know, you mentioned, all right, Vikes only got one veteran cornerback right now. That's Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy is 25 years old. 
He's the right. oldest cornerback in that room. He's the only one who can rent a car. When they go on a road trip and they say, hey, who's going to rent a car? They all look at one guy, Byron Murphy, and luckily he just turned 25. Otherwise, they're taking the bus, man. I mean, it is a young group, very inexperienced, and it's not so much the talent or the coaching I worry about. It's the cohesiveness. To your point, I just worry about how long is it going to take to get these guys all on the same page? Because I think at the end of the day, Sam, there's going to be a lot of trial and error with what Brian Flores wants to do. It's an elaborate defense. It's very thorough. You need to know the details. And I think it was Evans or maybe it was Booth at last week's press conference mentioned, yeah, Brian Flores, unlike Ed Donatel, he's making us learn every player on the defense's role and position. So every play, you know what the guy next to you is doing. Kind of thought, Every guy should do that anyways. Not sure why Ed Donatel wasn't doing that to begin with, but it just goes to show you it's an intricate, elaborate defense Flores is running. It's going to take time. I worry about the cohesiveness. Zimmer figured it out. Zimmer, this was his baby, the secondary, the cornerbacks, but it also took him a little bit of time too. It took him a full year, and I think we can get there under Brian Flores. I worry about how long it's going to take to get all the communication uh, right with one another. The other kind of small... Not nearly as glaring worry, but interior offensive line. I mean, Kirk Cousins was hit more than any quarterback mm -hmm. in the NFL last year. What did they do? They brought the same three guys back, Ezra, Bradbury, and Ed Ingram. Now, you hope Ed Ingram's going to take a big step forward from year one to year two. You hear every NFL player say it. Always had the most improvement from year one to year two. Year one, your head's just spinning. So hopefully Ed Ingram looks like a legitimate second-round player next year. Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, I mean, they're vets. Both have four or five years under their belt. You heard Brian O'Neill at the press conference last week say the cohesiveness, kind of opposite of what we were talking about with the secondary – he thinks the continuity and the cohesiveness on the offensive line is going to have drastic, dramatic improvements. Hopefully that's the case because right now on paper, they got the same five guys blocking and last year for a variety of reasons. I mean, again, like we talked about earlier, the run game being in third and 13, five times a game doesn't really help your offensive line when, when everybody no. knows you got to pass. So not only pass, pass on a five- or seven-step drop, and it's going to take time for that play to develop. So interior offensive line and secondary cohesiveness, those are my two big worries. But again, I think the talent is there. 2023, Sam, is we're relying a lot on this coaching staff. How good do you feel about Kevin O'Connell, Brian Flores, Wes Phillips, Matt Daniels, guys like that? Because ultimately, I think that's how far this Vikings 2023 team goes. Uh, great stuff, per usual, my man. As yeah. always, outstanding. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of The Football Party, your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. Don't forget, we're a podcast, too. Free and available, all platforms. Subscribe. Drop us that five-star review. Find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out again every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the football party, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the mailbag edition with Reggie Wilson on the football party. But until then, Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.